Luke chapter 1. The last time we uh, left Zacharias in the temple and he was confronted with an angel promising him a miracle. Um, his elderly wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby and he has to name that baby John. So we're going to pick that up in verse 13, actually, of Luke chapter 1. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Your petition has been heard. That means his prayers, which is strange because they're like, he's saying, Here, here's the answer to your prayers. Here's, you're going to have a baby. But I'm sure that they have not prayed for a child for many years because they're way past that time of natural human childbearing. And, you know, once a woman's gone through menopause, why would you bother, you know, praying to get pregnant? You'd figure, well, that's that's that. But no, now this angel's showing up, Gabriel's showing up saying, God, is, we, he's heard your prayers and here's you're going to have a child. Your prayers have been heard. Um, and you, you have to scratch your head. It's kind of a late answer, you know, but it's not late to God. Remember, we talked about miracles last time. This This is not a late answer to God. God is not in a hurry with God. The, the psalmist says one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Time doesn't mean anything to him. Why would an eternal being ever be in a hurry? And this drives us crazy, quite frankly, because we want, when I pray for something or I want something or I ask for something, I want it now. I don't want to wait, you know, give me patience and give it to me now. And that just doesn't, God is in no hurry. He's no in hurry. He's in no hurry to teach us, to shape us. Uh, he's got plenty of time. Anyway, so that's that. Um, I name him John. The name John mean, means God is gracious. And we need to be reminded, reminded that we need to remember that every single day that God is gracious. That's why all this is happening. That's why Luke is telling this story because God is gracious. That's why he's, he's so gracious that he is actually stepping into human history. He's becoming human in order to redeem humans. It's the most amazing story that has ever been told or ever will be told on earth. And it's because he is gracious. Why else would he do that? It's because he's gracious. Okay. I don't want to sound too much like I'm preaching here. So let's move on to verse 14. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit uh, on another episode, but for now, it's just it, it, this, what is this no drink stuff and why is that important? In the book of Numbers, in the Old Testament book of Numbers, the Bible starts Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and there is a thing called a Nazarite vow in a, I forget what chapter, but anyway, um, and, put, and you make a vow to God that you're going to do something, you set yourself apart, and part of that vow is... It had multiple parts, but one is no alcohol, no wine, nothing from the, you couldn't even eat a grape. That's how you had to take it so seriously. And you couldn't cut your hair. So your hair would just grow really long for the, for the length of your vow. Um, it was usually temporary, but in this case, in John's case, this is, this is from, 
from his mother's womb. This is permanent. Like you're, this is his whole life. Uh, no booze, no beer, no wine, no liquor, no nothing. Um, I don't know if it, it doesn't talk about his hair not being cut, but I, if assuming it's a Nazarite type situation, then John probably, these guys would look wild. Samson was one of these. He, he broke all, everything to do with his vow and ended up dying, but uh, John w- would have looked pretty wild out in the wilderness. We'll see him. We'll take a closer look at him when we get to chapter three, I think. But, you know, just picture this guy, long hair, um, dressed kind of crazy and, uh, you know, no alcohol. <laughs> so, um, so verse 16, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord, their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God is going to use John to change people's hearts and he's sending them in the spirit and power of Elijah. What does that mean? Who is Elijah? Elijah is the quintessential uh, prophet in the Bible. Uh, he actually did not write a book. So you have books like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, et cetera, and a bunch of other ones that are written by prophets. These guys were preachers in the Old Testament. And, um, the, but Elijah never wrote a book. He performed a bunch of miracles. Um, <clears throat> but he's, and he rebuked the kings of Israel, et cetera. And he was used by God to change people's hearts and bring them back. And God is saying, matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and read the last two verses of the Old Testament. You got an Old Testament and a New Testament. And this is how the Old Testament ends. The Hebrew scriptures ends with this uh, in a prophet named Malachi. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That's how the Bible ends. That's how the Old Testament ends. And then in the beginning of the New Testament, which is actually with Matthew, but this is, this is the beginning of the story of the New Testament here in Luke. We have the promise of Elijah. Like here comes Elijah and it's this guy named John. Um, you know, I'm going to send you this wild man preacher after 400 years of silence. I'm going to send you a wild man preacher who's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, etc. And what we're being told here by Luke and the angel, etc., by Gabriel is that's this John. That's who this is. So Gabriel steps out from behind the curtain after 400 years of silence from heaven and says, it's time. Time's up. Zacharias. Your wife, Elizabeth, is giving birth to the new Elijah. And he is going to prepare the people. Prepare them for what? That's what it says here. Are people prepared for what? Because God is coming. The day of the Lord, it's coming. God is ready to show up. God is ready to step onto earth right now. And he wants his people to get ready for him. And what would you do? You know, if what would you do if... If God, if you knew God was showing up tomorrow, what would you stop doing? You know, how do you ever get prepared for God just stepping onto earth or something like that or right in front of you for something as big as that? You know, I mean, what would you do if tomorrow the sky split open and God stepped down onto earth? Would you run toward him? Or would you run away from him? 
So Gabriel's saying, here's Elijah. He's going to prepare the people because God is coming. This is great news. It is good news that God is coming to earth. Uh, and this forerunner who uh, Orthodox Christians call, actually call him St. John the forerunner. Uh, we tend to just call him John the Baptist because he's going to, we're going to see, he's going to be busy baptizing people. Um, but the point is the king is coming, which means the kingdom is coming and your son gets to announce it to prepare people. John is going to be like a rooster crowing at the sunrise, letting everybody know that the sun is rising. That's why in Malachi, as a matter of fact, in that book I just quoted, it tells us that God uh, is coming to bring judgment on all the arrogant and the evil. But it says for you, it also says for you who fear my name. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. That's a beautiful verse. I mean, you think about the sun rising and like I said, it's almost like John the Baptist, the new Elijah is going to, he's like a rooster crowing, warning everybody, here it comes, here comes the sun, right? Like the Beatles song. Um, but I've seen the calves jumping and skipping before. I was at a farm, like a dairy farm, getting ice cream or milk or something. And they had these, basically, they're like big dog houses where these baby cows are, baby bulls, baby cows, whatever they were. And uh, they would all of a sudden just burst out and just go skipping about and kicking and bucking like a little little miniature bucking bronco. And uh, it's just fun to watch. They were like exuberant. They were thrilled. They were happy to be alive. It was, you know, you don't think of cows that way, but that's what the baby cows were doing. And, and uh, Malachi, the prophet, is telling us that's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like when the king comes, the great day of the Lord. And that's what John's getting people ready for. He's saying, you gotta, we've got to stop doing certain things and start doing other things because he's coming and it's going to be wonderful. Um, when the kingdom comes, that's what will happen. Even today, Jews set a place for Elijah when they're doing uh, the... Uh, uh, Passover feast, Seder, and for dinner, they will have a place set and an empty chair at the table be because they're expecting or hoping that Elijah will show up and bring in the kingdom. What we're being told here is that it, it happened here. This is what, this is the Elijah showing up and making this happen. It's actually John the Baptist. Okay. <clears throat> Gabriel is saying that's what John is going to be. This is good news. This is the news that Israel has been waiting for. This is the news that the world has been waiting for. Okay, verse 18. Um, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. It's a pretty good question, you know, but it's, it sounds like a reasonable question, but he's talking to an angel. <laughs> that stepped out of nowhere in the middle of the temple. And he's asking like, well, how can I trust you? It's kind of weird. Um, he, what he's asking for is a sign, right? Which is strange. I mean, angel appears out of nowhere. That's not enough of a sign for you, but he's asking for a sign. Like, give me a sign so that I will know that this is going to be true. Um, that my wife is actually going to have a baby. And I love the angel's response. Let's read it in verse 19. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Don't you love that? It's like, how do I know this is true? He goes, I'm Gabriel. What do you mean? <laughs> Who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. I'm Gabriel. It's significant because 
500 years before this, in the book of Daniel, right, uh, Gabriel was there speaking to Daniel. And it was Gabriel who gave Daniel the message of the coming king. He said, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's going to take this amount of years. This is what this will happen. Then that'll happen. And then uh, this kingdom will be established. This king will show up. And uh, we could get into the whole prophecy and the 70 weeks of Daniel and all that stuff. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Suffice it to say that Gabriel kind of closes the Old Testament with that promise. And then he shows up at the beginning of the New Testament. And he says, time's up, right? Time's up. Now he's back saying it's time. And in verse 20, and behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. I came from the throne room of God to give you this news and you want proof? Boom, you're a mute. You can't speak, Zacharias. You wanted a sign? You know, be careful what you ask for. So you've got a sign. Now you can't speak. Now, this is a big deal. Uh, him, he's not just being mean. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach Zacharias something. Is This is a big deal because remember, the thousands of people outside, there's thousands of people outside while this is happening in the temple. And they're waiting for this priest, for in this case, Zacharias, to come out of the temple after the incense offering. And he would come out, raise his hands to the crowd, and the, the crowd would fall silent, and everybody would wait. And he would raise his hands, and he would bless them. He would pronounce the blessing on the people. And it's a beautiful blessing. It's something that they had been doing for over a thousand years, you know, and it was how God put his name on his people. It's also in the book of Numbers, by the way, that blessing uh, in chapter six. But and God directed Aaron to bless the people and to put his name on his people. So that's, this is like now Zacharias will not be able to, to speak. It's his big public moment. It's the highlight for a priest for his career. The high, this may have been the only time he's ever been, had an opportunity to do this. This is one of the greatest honors you could have as a priest in Israel. And now he's struck dumb. He can't speak. He can't pronounce the blessing. It's as if Gabriel is saying, you don't believe the blessing that you are about to pronounce. So I'm not going to let you even speak it. So let's verse 21. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. Remember all these thousands of people outside. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and, rem and remained mute. So he couldn't speak. Um, in the temple, he was representing all of God's people, all those people outside at that moment. He should have known better. That's kind of what's happening here. I mean, if God could not reanimate an old woman's womb, what hope would there be? of any blessing to anyone? What hope would there be of renewing the world, of raising the dead, of giving eternal life, you know? Why, you know, why would you doubt God's ability in this? We're gonna see God do some amazing things here in this chapter, but uh, this is actually small potatoes compared to what he's gonna be doing. Zacharias was struck, uh, struck dumb because he did not believe the words of the blessing he was meant to pronounce. This shows that you can have, this is encouraging to me, actually. I mean, it seems kind of mean, but this is encouraging because it shows that you can have every advantage of position, 
of knowledge, uh, of opportunity, of right, even be a righteous person. Like remember, this is a righteous man that's falling into disbelief here. And you could be as close as anyone on earth in that moment can be to God. That's where he is there in the temple and still screw up and get it wrong. I mean, if God would just send me an angel, how many people have said that? You know, many, many of us have said that in our hearts. If God would just send me an angel, then I would believe. Then I would trust. Well, what do you do with this guy? You know, the Bible is full of people that saw and experienced extraordinary things, amazing things, wonderful things, and they still fell into disobedience and doubt and failure. We saw in an earlier episode that faith is not blind. But we also need to be reminded that seeing is not necessarily believing. Almost everything that has ever occurred in history was not seen by us. Should we believe none of it ever happened? Of course not. Faith is not blind trust, but it is trust. And we must decide who or what is trustworthy. And God and his angels are worthy of our trust. Let's finish this up here. Verse 23, when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. Boom. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. She hid herself away, I guess maybe to make sure, like, is it, you know, might be expecting a miscarriage or something. I'm not sure. But the point is, she got pregnant. God keeps his promises. God can be trusted. Gabriel can be trusted, you know. Uh, We're going to have to leave it there for now. Uh, Next time, we will meet Gabriel again as he goes on another mission. But this time, it's not in the holy place of the great temple in Jerusalem. And not to God's holy priest, but to a young woman in a poor village in the middle of nowhere. Until then, uh, let me leave you with that blessing from Numbers chapter 6 that Zacharias was unable to pronounce. But I am able, thank the Lord. And it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.